This is the Truth About Investing Back to Basics podcast, where we want to help you take control of your personal finance and long-term investments. If you're looking for a way to learn the why and how of investing, then you've found the right place. Thank you for taking the time to learn how to better yourselves. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the fourth season of The Truth About Investing, Back to Basics. My name is Chris Holling. And I'm Sean Cooper. And ultimately, I'm just I'm just going to be upfront about this. Uh, we, we are re-recording this episode, and I would love to blame Sean, and I can't. <laughs> um, we uh, we actually we did record this and we we had this ready to go, and then I checked my file and it made a very aggressive and violent sound with the track that I had recorded that was ultimately unusable, and so here we are, pretending like it never happened, <laughs> which which you know why we're here is clearly to demonstrate our acting skills and nothing else, right, Sean? Maybe you're acting because you actually have some. I have have none. Um, Thank thank God somebody does, I guess. Maybe, sort of, kind of. But really, welcome back. We we appreciate you coming back, and we're we're excited to go into the fourth season. Uh, There, the fourth season is we're we're starting to to hit this point of where we're starting to go even deeper down the rabbit hole of the things that we've been doing before, and. Uh, really, these these concepts that we're getting into are are important, and uh, I'll be honest. I think they're they're a little dense and they're a little complex, and I I like that. Uh, but I I would also encourage that you you take some time and maybe maybe get a legal pad and and jot some stuff down because <laughs> it's it's a lot to take on in this realm. I I think we're kind of starting to veer. In my opinion, you can tell me what you think. But uh, I think we're starting to veer into the realm of uh, I'm I'm choosing to take this on on myself rather than having somebody do a lot of this stuff for me and making that active decision. Uh, these these are the steps now that we're getting into of like now that I've made that choice to to take this on. These are the things that are important for you to take it on individually. Uh, whereas, you know, you you can send this off to to somebody like Sean, which you know he'll do a great job um but you know when you when you do send it off to somebody this area isn't as uh how do, how do i put that as vital of information uh, as some of the previous seasons have been for just understanding some stuff but i also think that it's really key and really important to understand these things so that you're not completely in the woods on on any of this and uh when you are able to talk with people about this you can you can eloquently pay attention and make sure that everything is is on track like what do you what do you think about that yeah i would tend to agree i'd say if you're you're planning on doing this yourself you need to have a very strong understanding of the topics that we're going to be discussing over this season and next season and if you're planning on hiring it out then you, you still should have a base level understanding of these topics so that you can understand what they're telling you. You can uh, more or less fact check them, if you will. You know, if they're telling you one thing and 
uh, your, your base level understanding goes, yeah, that sounds right. Or your base level understanding says, I don't know about that. That's, you know, a, a good level of knowledge to have going into uh, that relationship. So I, I think that's super reasonable. In fact, it, it kind of makes me think of uh, the other day. We there's there's a guy that I work with that uh, <laughs> there was a story that that came up where he was meeting with his uh, retirement specialist specifically it was somebody for the uh, the pension board that him and I are a part of. Oh yeah. Excuse me. Well, not not the board. We're not a part of the board, but the pension. No, the pension itself. Right. Right. And so somebody that was a represent- Yes, we are participants. But one, somebody that was a representative of it and was uh, one of the ones that was essentially trying to go to bat for us on some of these things. He was asking some pretty in-depth questions about how it's working, moving forward, asking a lot of the right questions about the uh, the in-depth portions of uh, his retirement as well as other people's. And the the conversation eventually got to a point where he was asking something that the the representative said, oh, you know what, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into some of these things that you're talking about. And then there's a pause. He said, you know, you've you've really taken the time to to look into this stuff. I, uh, I just don't know some of the answers to what you're asking. And there was an equally longer, awkward pause. He said, it's your job. What do you, what do you mean <laughs> you didn't him. look into these things? Good for him. <laughs> and uh, so it, it uh, continued to get awkward. But the point is, <laughs> is that if you're able to, to take the time and at least have a basic understanding, then you can kind of keep people in check. And not saying that everybody by any stretch is trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Uh, but sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's just something that they haven't considered. And even if you just have a general understanding there, you can keep things on track. I think that's that's worth the knowledge to have just as a, a base understanding. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Great. Well, uh, today, what we're going to talk about to to hit on this moving forward to, you know, legal pad and, and pen ready <laughs> is is we're going to talk about technical and fundamental analysis. Right, Sean? Right? Correct. Okay. And I'm curious, cool. Chris, because... As you pointed out, we've, we've already gone through this process. But in the past, you always take the time up front to share with us uh, your understanding of Are the you topic testing me we're now? covering. Is that what you're doing? And uh, but at this, and last time it was rather enjoyable for me to listen to. Uh, but this time you've already heard it at least right. once. So yes. how so do you want to go about I, that? You're seeing if I paid attention. I think that's a good way to go about it. Yeah, maybe we should do that. <laughs> this, this, this can only go poorly. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh man, of course, I'm I'm so used to being put on the spot, and I I'm I'm, I'm just okay. All right. <clears throat> yeah, come on, improv. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's gonna be good for somebody. How about right. you just start with one? Start with start with fundamental analysis. Oh, that's what we're starting with. Right, of course. Yeah. Uh, Unless you want to just compare the two. I mean, I get that too. Okay. I, uh, I've, I've totally thought about how to reiterate this since the last time we spoke two weeks ago, and I've totally <clears throat> not lost sleep since then, and I'm eloquent now. All right. So a technical analysis would be a factual analysis on... Uh, not a portfolio, <laughs> right? Uh, because it might be about something 
specific, like for instance, a specific stock that you yeah. might be evaluating, but not, not an overall portfolio, just a, a specific thing that you are, are looking at, identifying the, the growth and decay of, and being able to establish a formula or apply a formula to see, no, uh-oh. If we're talking formulas, we're most likely on fundamental analysis. See, see, that's why I stopped. That's why yep. I stopped. See how I'm going. Mm-hmm. See, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm aware of things. Uh, <laughs> the technical analysis is strictly the numbers of the growth. Oh man, nope, I'm totally lost. Okay, <laughs> should I jump in at this stage or? Well, <laughs> I mean, if you think you can describe it any better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I can't, then we probably should give up on the whole uh, podcast thing. This this has been uh, the truth about investing. <laughs> okay. Yes. Tell me tell me about technical analysis and I'm I'm gonna maybe cut in while you're describing it as going, aha. <laughs> okay, so I'll actually start with fundamental analysis just because it's the more traditional method. These, uh, both fundamental and technical analysis can be used, is predo- they're predominantly used for individual securities or individual companies and the securities thereof, whether it's stocks or bonds. Um, technical analysis, I, I guess technically both of them could be used for other investments as well. You know, if you're talking about like commodities or something along those lines, just a different way of applying them, especially the technical analysis could be used in that regard and often is. Um, you could also use them to analyze a portfolio. But again, that's uh, kind of a unique application of each of them. So for the most part, we're talking about analyzing individual securities and we'll talk about more more of that in the future but for today we'll just review these two methodologies and how they compare to one another so it's almost like we know what we're going to talk about in the future episode that we've already recorded we do we've uh, you know (laughs) actually taken some time to plan this out and uh, i asked chris the the day before what we're supposed to be talking about because i don't have it written down anywhere (laughs) <laughs> and I said, we're going to do this again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fundamental analysis specifically is the more traditional uh, style of analysis. It is looking at predominantly the numbers. So we're looking at the financial statements, the income statement, the balance sheet, and the statement of cash flows. And we're using multiple numbers from different pieces of those three statements and building out ratios, things like the uh, price to earnings, which would be the price of the stock divided by the earnings per share. Okay. Uh, we might do the price to book. So again, the price of the company relative to the book value of the, or the price per share relative to the book value per share. Um, uh, the cash flow, which there's a number of different ways of doing that, but traditionally it's going to be the Uh, operating cash flow divided by the uh, short-term liabilities. So determining how well the company can basically produce 
income off of their actual operations and how well they can cover their short-term liabilities via that income. And then you're, you're going through these options as like a, uh, a, a means for this is what builds your fundamental analysis, or you're saying that you need to know these to, to accomplish it? The, as, this as is just potentially part of fundamental analysis. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. This is just all lumped into that big umbrella. And cool. these are just sample ratios that people often use. There are a couple, different, couple dozen ratios that people uh, potentially use. Um, whether their fo- their analysis is focused on earnings or um, relative value, so you you might be comparing multiple companies together, and so you want to see how the companies compare. So you you take these ratios and uh, view them in conjunction with one another to see how relatively valued they are. So is this one undervalued relative to this one or overvalued? Or if you're in like mergers and acquisitions, you might be looking at comparable sales or comparable uh, companies that have sold in the recent past. And so you're looking at those uh, ratios and then using the ratios as a means of adjusting that sales value. So you're saying like uh, you'd be looking at uh, whatever company you're interested in, and then one that's comparable or in the same realm, and you'd compare the two priced earnings on on both of them. You're using the two ratios to compare while you're doing this. Is that exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Otherwise, you might just have some kind of like threshold that you're looking for. So, for example, um, maybe you're a you're looking for low PE ratios. So you're not even going to bother looking at companies that have a PE ratio over 20, or maybe it's even lower, maybe it's 15, uh, which would be really hard to come by right now uh, in today's market. But since most everything is really high in terms of PE, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point is you could have a threshold. So you're using it as a, a cutoff of, you know, these companies aren't are the only ones I'm going to look at if they they meet these criteria. So you're using it as a screen, basically, um, and then you might start evaluating the companies from there. So that would be the primary use for the ratios is for comparables or for screening purposes. Uh, Another aspect of fundamental analysis, there's a lot of different things that we could you could potentially do that would fall under fundamental analysis, but one that I tend to prefer would be discounted cash flow. So you would actually be taking these uh, financial statements and projecting them out into the future under different scenarios. So different growth scenarios or different um, market scenarios, like if the market were to tank or the market does really well or supply exceeds uh, demand or vice versa. How, how do those impact the company going forward? And then uh, funneling that all down into a cash flow, whether you're analyzing the company's you know, actual cash flow, like what we were talking about before, so operating cash flow, or maybe it's uh, the dividends that they're going to be paying out. So you're looking at the cash flow of the dividends uh, from an investor standpoint, and then discounting those cash flows in each of the quarters or each year back to today's value based on some sort of discount rate. So that would all fall under fundamental analysis. And so those those are all things that uh, just just a kind of I guess put a put a bow on it 
uh, while we're while we're talking about this, a fundamental is going to be much more. We're strictly looking at that factual uh, history and numbers with the current, say, uh, ratios. Really, is the right word. Uh, right. Using the current ratios, and then maybe creating a couple of variables along the way to look at potential changes within ratios in the future. Um, but that's it, it. All remains very, very factual, and and putting specific numbers places that it's not it's not a generalization when you're doing these this fundamental analysis right 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 and actually you brought up a good point there uh yes you can in doing those projections that i talked about you can actually project forward the so there's the forward pe ratio is what they refer to it as so you could project forward these uh ratios and to see what they look like in the future and uh, how reasonable your assumptions are that sort of thing as well so um, another thing that I think would probably fall under fundamental would be like multiple regression analysis. Um, I don't think I'm going to take the time to go over that in any great detail. Um, it's okay. Uh, is, is there the a good good source for it? Like, is there a good description on Investopedia for it that we can just say, "Hey, go check this out" if you're interested in learning more. If you want to learn more on multiple regression analysis, an advanced course on Excel would be probably the way to go. Okay. So cool. Yep. Um, and if you're getting into that advanced course, then you can also pick up some info on Monte Carlo simulation and things along those lines. Although there are a lot more efficient ways to run Monte Carlo simulations than Excel at this point. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's so uh, Solver is another good one that you can learn in that advanced course as well. All right. So uh, getting back to the some of the more traditional fundamental analyses, though. I would say another aspect is actually digging into the prospectuses of companies and their, their not necessarily the prospectuses, excuse me, but their annual reports. So jumping in and it, this helps a lot when it comes to those projections, basically reading through the annual report to determine what areas is, is the company focusing on, what uh, aspects of the economy you know, different growth trajectories are they anticipating? Um, are they, do they have a new product line that's coming out that they're hoping is going to increase sales? And then trying to build those concepts into your projections is very useful. Um, and then also analyzing, okay, what if they get this wrong? What does that do to them? How much money are they investing into this, you know, new endeavor if that's what they're doing? And what if it doesn't pan out the way they're hoping for so that would all fall under fundamental analysis too okay yeah that's fair enough cool any questions on i mean that was kind of my no i i think that overview was good. of it's, fundamental so no i think that was good it was good to have like a uh this here's here's a uh version of what you're looking at here's the things to consider it's it's very factual it's very straightforward it's compare compare these ratios there's lots of ratios to consider here are some of them that do get considered and uh, if you want to learn more on x y and z then here are some options so i, I think that covers it pretty cool. well cool so, so we're for looking at yeah for comparison purposes technical analysis is definitely more recent it's been around for a few decades now for sure but uh, it's uh, the more recent development and that has to do predominantly with technology, if you will, because technical analysis 
primarily revolves around uh, looking at historical prices of a stock of a company's shares and some of the ancillary information that you can garner along with that. So uh, the technical analysts are often referred to as chartists because they're, they're looking at charts. They're looking at charts of a company's stock. And depending on what their trading time frame is will often determine what time frame they're looking at on the charts, whether they're only looking at you know a few weeks worth of data or they're looking at 10, 20 years worth of data. Because that, that changes um, what the chart looks like to a great extent and what they're looking for is a number of different things. But oftentimes they're looking at the trend of the stock, whether it's uh, bullish, bearish, or flat, or if it's uh, bouncing back and forth between two uh, prices, or it's just kind of uh, oscillating between a couple. And, you know, a stock that looks uh, bearish on a, you know, one month chart may still be very bullish on a 20 year chart. So where did those terms come from? uh, Bullish and bearish? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Horns of the bull? Is it, or is it, like, I I always picture like a bull. Then I, I know I shouldn't, but I keep picturing like an actual, like, grizzly bear. But it's, I, I imagine bearish is more like naked, like, like empty, bear, bear. Oh no! Traditionally, they it's a a bull and a bear, like a a grizzly, like what you were talking about when they depict them. Well, then where do they come from? I don't know. That's a great question. You should look it up. I, I, okay, my my calling is here. That's right. It's my moment. Okay, you you look it up, and I'll continue with technical analysis. Yes, proceed. Yeah. So, uh, looking for the trend. Um, most of the time, traders will not go against a trend. There are, in fact, trend followers. Uh, manage futures, that's typically what they do, is follow trends. Then there's also different patterns that uh, technical analysts will look for, like uh, specifically reversal patterns or continuation patterns. So your reversal patterns might be something like a uh, double top or a double bottom, in which case you've, you know, double top, it's been going up. Uh, or double bottom, it's been going down, and then it, it kind of hits a, a level, comes back up a little bit, hits that same level again, and then returns back up and exceeds that that first bounce, then they would expect that to be a reversal, and it's going to go back up from there. Uh, the double top is just the opposite of that. And then there's also the head and shoulders. So that would be something similar where, like, if the stock was going up, it goes up to a certain level, call it, you know, $40 a share, and then it comes back down to, like, uh, say, 38 bucks a share and then it goes up to 45 a share and then 38 and then back to 40 which is that initial top that it had earlier and then it goes back down and it passes that 38 down to like 37 they would consider that a reversal and it's going to continue on down from there and then you could have a head and shoulders you know upside down head and shoulders which would be a reversal to the upside some of the continuation i I do remember i do remember talking about that because i was saying that if you're if you're heading upwards then then i was uh, up, upwards and then downwards. I was thinking it should be called a, a head and shoulders. But if you had the uh, 
trend downwards and then back upwards, it should be called the knees and toes. And it was totally a missed opportunity by whoever was naming all of that. I do like that <laughs> discussion. Yes. And then uh, some continuation patterns, uh, most mostly continuation patterns. They can also be uh, reversals as well, would be like a, a pendant or a flag. So with a flag, say, for example, the, the stock has been going up and then it starts to trend sideways, but it is um, trending sideways in a narrowing pattern. So it's you know volatile, it's going up and down, but the, the gap, the width of that volatility is narrowing. And then if it pops out of that narrowing gap, that, was, that narrowing trend, that would be a continuation to the upside. Uh, and then you might have like a pendant where, you know, it's uh, flat on one side and going uh, that, that, that volatility that's narrowing is going up on one side or down on the other side. That would be your indication that it is going to break out to the side that it is trending to already. Um, and in some instances, the technical analysts will also use the original width of that flag or pendant as their guide of how far it's likely to break out to the upside or the downside, and that's what they're targeting for their initial trade. So as soon as it breaks out, they want to get in, and then they're going to get out once it reaches that uh, initial gap. So if the initial gap was like a, a $5 uh, spread, which would be rather large depending on the stock you're referring to. There's targeting a $5 uh, spread once it breaks through. So th those would be some continuation and some reversal patterns for a, a technical analyst. Um, and that's just looking at the, the chart, the stock price. Some of the ancillary pieces that they might be looking at would be things like uh, MACDs, which is uh, moving average uh, convergence divergence, or Sounds stochastics. Rapper's like name. <laughs> yeah, or uh, stochastics. You're looking at uh, under or over uh, bought, overbought or oversold. Um, moving averages. Uh, there are a variety of different moving averages in addition to the MACD. And again, that, that depends on the time frame. If you're looking at like a, a got, you can look at moving averages on a minute by minute basis versus weekly or monthly or annually. Um, so overall, I'm sorry, ahead. I cut you off. No, you're okay. Uh, so overall, when we're, when we're looking at this stuff and we're, we're considering the technical side, uh, you're, you're not just strictly holding on to, to the numbers and adjusting some ratios here and there. It, it becomes more of a, a general view of uptrend, downtrend, maintaining Correct. the level. And it, it becomes, it sounds like, a lot more visual than anything. Um, Very much so. Yeah, if I'm a true technical analyst, I care nothing whatsoever about the value of the company. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. I, think I, I think I identify with the the technical guys a little bit more i'm such a visual person i remember i remember going over that's this fair you're like this looks like a flag i'm like i can i can picture a flag right right okay okay great uh, so, uh another thing that you might look for as a technical analyst analyst would be volume so the uh trick 
trading volume in a, a particular day. So you want to look at the average trading volume of a stock and see where it's at relative to, to that. So if you get a breakout you know, to the upside or the downside in one of those patterns that I was referring to, and there's no volume behind it, like the volume is a quarter of what its average would be, that would not be a, a confidence booster, if you will. That would not be a positive sign that that breakout is going to continue in the way that you expect it to. Whereas if there's a lot of volume behind it, you know, double the average volume, that would be a very confident breakout. So at least that's how they, they would view it. Okay. Uh, and they're often combining a, a variety of these different different factors. So, and and in terms of combining things, you you don't necessarily have to be a um, wholehearted fundamental analyst or a wholehearted technical analyst. You get people that combine the two concepts into one. And most often the way they're doing that, and this isn't how everybody does it, but most often they would be using the fundamental anal- analysis to determine what to buy and then they would be utilizing the technical analysis to determine when to buy or sell that's a that's that makes sense so using them in conjunction with each other um i on the other hand i predominantly rely on fundamental analysis and then i utilize a variety of different technical analyses to evaluate the overall feeling in the uh, the market as a whole. So looking at like the S&P 500, for example, to represent uh, domestic equities, large cap domestic equities, and evaluating, you know, how is it overheated? Is it overbought, oversold? Is it trending? Um, so I don't necessarily use it as a buy-sell indicator so much as uh, how is the, what is the overall market sentiment and how is that going to impact uh, my underlying holdings that makes sense well that makes sense in in both the sense of what you're describing as well as of course you lean towards fundamental because you're a numbers nerd yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i like the discounted cash flow i like the multiple regression analysis gotcha yep totally makes sense okay well, I mean, how how else do, do, is that is that kind of a good broad strokes of what we're what we're looking at? Yeah, those are definitely the the broad strokes. Gives you a well, good, good if grasp the broad of it strokes, overall. Go ahead. <laughs> if the broad strokes are handled, then that means it's my turn to shine. Uh, cool. <clears throat> because where did the bulls and the bears come from? Tell and us. Uh, I, I, I will. Okay. So <laughs> this actually came from Investopedia, which I, I thought this was going to be like a wiki thing that I find. But No, Investopedia is always better than Wikipedia when it comes to finance and investing. Well, well sure. But, I, you know, we're just talking about bears and bulls. So I just, all right, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, and I'll actually, I'll just, it's short enough. I'll just read the, the excerpt from it so that it's uh, it's straight from the, horse's mouth about bulls and bears it's a lot of animals 
Oh my. That is a lot of animals. <laughs> I want to know why the horse is the one talking about the bulls and the bears. Because it's the from the horses. Shut up, Sean. Okay, so where <laughs> where did uh, bulls and bears come from? Uh, while the terms are relatively simple to understand, the impact either a bull or bear market can have on your portfolio and wealth is undeniable. Both yes, animals indeed. are known for their incredible and unpredictable strength, so the image that evokes in regards to stock market volatility certainly rings true. And actually, that's really why I started wondering about it, because I was like, well, they're both big and scary. So, like, why? <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like the bear and the salmon market. You know, it's not like it, <laughs> it dives down. or Anyway. But um, the salmon, I mean, they're very determined to swim upstream. Bet, That's, be, you know. I'll I, bet a, a salmon is like a like a flag on a technical analysis. You like that? You know, it kind of kind of wavers mm. and kind of kind of all right shut up okay so (laughs) interestingly enough the actual origins are unclear but here are the two most frequent explanations okay Uh, the terms bear and bull are thought to derive from the way which each animal attacks its opponents that is a bull will thrust its horns up into the air while a bear will swipe down Interactions were then related metaphorically to the movement of a market. If the trend was up, it was considered a bull market. Trend was down, it's a bear market. I like that. Uh, the second explanation is historically, the middlemen in sale of bear skins would sell skins they had yet to receive. As such, they would speculate on the future purchase price of these skins from the trappers, hoping they would drop. The trappers would profit from the spread the difference between the cost price and the selling price. These middlemen became known as bears, short for bearskin jobbers, and the term stuck for describing a downturn in the market. Conversely, because bears and bulls were widely considered to be opposites due to the once popular blood sport of bull and bear fights, the term bull stands as the opposite of bears, which I didn't even know there was such a thing as a bull and a bear fight. I in didn't the first either. Place. So I like the first explanation better. I do. I do too. I, th- I think that's a, I, I can, it'll, it'll stick with all my visualization. Right. <laughs> right. So that's cool. Maybe, yeah, maybe so. one of our listeners will know the actual, which one's correct. Or maybe there's another explanation that we, we haven't even heard yet. I, I think one of those three listeners are in fact <laughs> just going to give me weird facts about horses and ignore everything I just said. <laughs> right. <It's, it's, laughs> What's going to wind up happening? Okay. Well, uh, you know, do you, do you feel like we handled this well-ish? Do you think we, we're hitting it, hitting it pretty good? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to give an overview of the, the two, two methodologies here. If somebody wants, you know, more insight into, you know, how do you actually crunch these numbers for fundamental analysis? What is discounted cash flow? Or, you know, how what does it look like to do these what are these chartists actually looking at yeah we can we can certainly try to address those in more detail but uh that would to do it all in one fell swoop would involve uh you know a six hour podcast and i I don't have that kind of energy so no hard no that i i don't have enough booze in my booze drawer (laughs) (laughs) so that's why if somebody has a particular interest in one aspect of them or sure. multiple, we can break them out into individual podcasts and d- describe them, break them down in more detail. Sure. I, I totally agree with, with all of that. I think it was a, 
it's a good little wrap up and and especially because we do make some references as we do for for most of these we we usually build on whatever we've started from before um in in a lot of ways especially per season we tend to do that exactly and, uh, so come we, back next week that's right come back next week for the uh the the episode we totally didn't record already <laughs> yeah portfolio um, analysis and then we'll cover right. stock analysis Security following security analysis. I did correct you. Security analysis because it's analysis you can use for any individual security. It's just most common among stocks. So yes, good. Yes, and uh, we did cover a lot of those concepts today, but we'll be going over some other ideas then later as well. Absolutely. So I'm I'm glad we're we're getting into this. I hope I hope your your mind and legal pad are full. And uh, uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for joining us actually on the start of the season four for the Truth About Investing Back to Basics. Uh, we appreciate you coming out here. Uh, my name is Chris Holling. And I'm Sean Cooper. And really, thank you for taking the time to want to learn how to better yourself because I think that is a, a hard quality to find. And we will see you here. How, how, how am I still screwing this up? You, we, you got it for like the entire season three. You were golden. And you know what it was? I got just, cocky. That's what yeah. it was. It's a, we, we, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Podcast disclaimer, disclaimer. The disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up and running and fully functioning and moving forward. This is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes. We hope you enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it. All content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of Fit Financial Consulting LLC unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Holling is not affiliated with Fit Financial Consulting LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Holling represent the views of Fit Financial Consulting LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond its author's intent, distribution, or copying of the contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal accounting or tax advice and is for informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites. Advisory services are offered through Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, an investment advisor firm registered in the states of Washington and Colorado. The presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or their representatives, the consumer should contact their state securities administrator. So if you want to talk about technical analysis, that's, I, that's, that's what where I was you talking to be about. going. Yes. I don't I don't know what you were paying attention to, but uh, I was paying attention to t- technical 
analysis. Let me out! I'm stuck in your pocket. So is my phone. <laughs> the thing startles me every time. <laughs> it startles me now. It startles me when I edit. It startles me every single time. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? You follow the Fresh Prince. <laughs> I, know, I like that one. Uh, I thought the dryer was shrinking all my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator all along. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, what do you What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? So fishticated. No. <laughs> uh, you know what? You can say this, but you have to say it in like the proper voice. It's a. Uh, I'm afraid for the calendar. Its days are numbered. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a dream. I was floating in an ocean of orange soda. It was more of a fantasy. Wanna? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want? I used. <laughs> I used to play piano by ear, but now I use my hands. Wise choice. <laughs>